we are conditioned to believe that something outside of us must fix us when in fact there is fear or lack of motivation to take ownership that i have to change which can be daunting this is a powerful statement made by my guest today in today's episode we answer three questions how do neurochemicals drive different behavior what are common triggers of nervous system imbalance where can we begin with treatment of imbalance my dear friend dr arti surya is a board certified physical medicine and rehabilitation physician who combines conventional medical training with leading edge concepts in biomedical functional medicine She has many hats including neurofeedback, hyperbaric oxygen, sleep studies, IV therapies and numerous clinical activities. Let's get started. Hey everyone, I'm Deepa, Light Functional Medicine practitioner, author and yogini and you're listening to the Sleep Whisperer podcast. the only sleep podcast with conversations and meditations i'm on a mission to share profoundly insightful sleep conversations with global visionaries that merge together functional medicine and ancient wisdom breathe in bliss through weekly guided meditations and let yourself enter the land of dreams together Let's unravel the pieces, get to the roots and understand the right tools to transform your sleep completely. Through this podcast, I want you to dream the best version of yourself. It's time to regain hope and begin your sleep journey. Welcome back to the Sleep Whisperer podcast Dr. Arti Surya we had you a long long time ago i think it was episode 2 or 3 i can't quite recall and it's been two and a half or almost 3 years since you were here and since then i know that your own personal journey has taken quite a bit of a u turn so i'd love for you to quickly get us started talking especially since we are talking about stress and the polyvagal theory today Uh, what made you have this epiphany that the simple interventions matter a lot so we could get started with that and then we could discuss stress which is really i don't think prioritized enough in spite of the word being spoken about a lot we're not quite bringing enough attention to it personally Yes, thank you so much for having me back on it's always so lovely to talk to you we always have a good time But you know, Deepa, you and I are both trained in functional, you know, nutrition and medicine and you know, while it's very interesting and it's very, you know, you can learn all these biochemical pathways and where all these nutrients work, I think we oftentimes get lost in those details and we're not looking at the big picture. What my big kind of takeaway is, you know, you and I are constantly learning and big takeaway that i've learned over the past few years is that your biology is really going to respond to what your nervous system is sensing we are still wired like our ancestors even though we don't live out in the jungle anymore but we have modern day tigers every going on 24/7 right so we have 
you know, all these deadlines or, you know, you know, running late for appointments and relationship issues, financial issues, you name it. Those are stressors that are constantly breaking down our system and our biology is going to respond to that. So whatever our brain and body does is meant to be protective to help us cope and conserve energy for the long term. So that was like kind of like how I've kind of shifted the way I think about patients, think about myself, how do I apply this in my own life? And so it's been, you know, another layer of learning, um, but it's been it's been wonderful. And I think, Arti, you did mention to me that in your own practice in the last few years, you've come across a lot of doctors themselves who um, probably don't bring enough attention to looking at these aspects in individuals. And could you share a little bit about how that looks like? So what does that look like when somebody chooses to focus more on this complex uh, genes and complex testing while not looking at these aspects and how is that relevant to the patient? It's 100% relevant because in I think what we're doing in one way or another in the functional medicine setting, even though it's labeled as holistic care, it's not necessarily fully holistic in my opinion. <laughs> And so the conventional side, you know, you look at, you test, you test for labs, you treat the labs. You're kind of doing the same thing on the functional medicine side and not looking at what is causing or driving those labs to be abnormal. Okay. And so what ends up happening is that, you know, patients are then told they have these genetic deficiencies or genetic um, issues with these pathways. And that kind of ingrains in the patient in a way that, oh, I'm, I have faulty pathways. When in fact, it's actually, you know, if you look at the history, if you really pay attention and take a good history, the answer is usually there. And it's usually the person's interaction with the environment. And there are multiple stressors that are breaking down the physiology and addressing it at a nervous system level, brain body based level can help restore that physiology and help the symptoms go away. And so I think, you know, in our culture, we're very conditioned to think that something outside of us has to fix us. When in fact, you know, I think there's fear or I think maybe lack of motivation in a way to take ownership that I have to probably change the way I navigate myself in the world. And that might be a little too daunting for some people to um, kind of take on. Oh, I think that's a powerful statement that you made. <laughs> but then I think we need to also look at it from the other side that this brings great power back to us if we can. I 100% agree. Right. Uh, so we're not giving that power over to something outside of us. And that's very empowering. But let's come back to the nervous system, because you did mention that it's so powerful and how everything we do, everything that happens within us. So how does the nervous system impact sleep? Yeah. So, you know, like I mentioned, we were wired for, you know, survival. And so we're still wired like our ancestors. So we are wired to perceive threat because that is going to keep us safe. So if there's a tiger in the room or a tiger when you're outside, is it safe to go to bed? No, right? Because then you're going to be eaten by the tiger. So your sympathetic nervous system, which is your fight or flight nervous system, 
will release hormones and neurotransmitters to keep you awake so that you can be on alert so that you don't get eaten by the tiger. Okay. And so now in our modern day, like I mentioned before, we don't have tigers, but we have 24 seven stressors. We were only meant to deal with stress, which is, you know, for short periods of time, our body is able to adapt to that. It is designed for that. You know, even small stressors like exercise, even that makes you stronger, but left unchecked, that's when it becomes detrimental. So when it impacts your sleep is that if there's 24 seven stressors, your body's not feeling safe to go to bed because I'm going to be eaten by the tiger. Really, it's like I'm going to be eaten by my deadlines, my relationship, my finances, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and that's why that's how it impacts the sleep. And maybe Arti, we could share a little bit, both you and I, about what might be perceived stressors. For example, for me, it could be just uh, having a difficult conversation, if knowing that I have to speak at a public forum a few days <laughs> later, that is a fear for me. I mean, I'm sure that sure. fear looks different for everybody. Uh, and Absolutely. I know that for me, when I have an event coming up, that puts me into that fight or flight for several days. And it's still taking me a lot away from my sleep. So it, for somebody else, it could be the thought of a mother-in-law coming to stay. I mean, this <laughs> sounds funny, but no, you're hundred percent right. In Indian you're... culture, this is a f f scary situation for many people. Uh, so maybe you could give us some examples of that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll give you one personal one. Like for me, whenever I would have to take a board exam for my licensing or whatever. I would lose my sleep for days. I was literally running on adrenaline. So exams can cause sleep issues. Getting a bad email from someone can cause sleep issues. An argument, like you mentioned, you know, a difficult conversation. Um, you know, if you're stressed out uh, financially, that can cause sleep issues. Race issues, like if you're in a country where you don't feel safe and you're like the minority, that can cause sleep issues. Um, I mean, anything really can be impactful on the sleep because we each have our own capacity to handle stress. This can be trained, but we all kind of come into this world based on what our parents went through and all that. Our nervous systems are shaped based on that. And so we all have a certain capacity that we come into the world with. Some, you know, can handle stress more, some can handle less, but the beauty is that you can train it. What are the symptoms that we'll see if we, we are in a fight or flight? Because I think we do talk a lot. There's a lot of this spoken on podcasts and articles. But I find that a lot of times um, many friends, they're still unaware they're in this perpetual fight or flight. And they're just looking at it as symptoms. And you mentioned also that Sometimes, you know, having this testing and genetics can make a feed into our mind. And I think that that can also put labels on us, a label of fear, a label of a fear of a disease or a symptom. Uh, so what are all the symptoms that can come up and which are all related to dysfunction in the nervous system? Absolutely. So if you're in a, a, you know, acute fight or flight state that can show up as anxiety, fear, anger, irritability, 
um, ready to fight, like rage even. So think about all the things that's meant to be very um, protective for you, right? Because you're going to run away from the tiger. That's why you have those emotions, right? Because the emotions and everything are connected. That is meant to be life-saving for you. You're not meant to feel joy in that <laughs> respect, right? If left unchecked, these, if you're always in a fight or flight state, your brain and body are smart. It's very expensive to stay in that state. So what it does is then it shunts you to the other side, like a little bit further than parasympathetic, right? Which is rest and digest. But then it almost goes further and shuts you down, which can show up as feelings of depression, sadness, fatigue, um, just uh, almost depersonalized a bit too, numb. Those are common um, things that you could feel when there's been chronic stress, which can still impact the quality of your sleep. And also, Arti, I think when you mention anxiety, irritability, anger, these are things that all of us are oscillating between all the time. And I've seen mm -hmm. a rebound effect as well that, for example, in relationships, when somebody's showing anger, that can trigger anxiety in someone else. So obviously, these interplay with each other, they're influencing each other, they're aggravating each other. So when we see that as something coming from somebody close to us that spirals us further into that dysfunctional nervous system. So there's so much to think about there. And uh, all the symptoms that you mentioned, I think most of the world is struggling with in some way or the other. Um, but let's agree. come back to what are the what are the things, what are the common stressors that can impact the nervous system? I know we spoke a little bit about it, but I'd love for us to go a bit deeper into those. Sure. So I talked more about, I guess, the life stressors, but other stressors can be, you know, physical stressors such as sleep apnea, infections in the body, you know, COVID, we're dealing with, you know, this big pandemic, you know, for the past several years, that in itself can be a stressor, right? This virus and that upturned the whole world for the past couple of years, people's businesses and all of that. So that can impact us if you're caregiving for anybody, um, either a sick child or elderly, elder um, parent or something that can also impact you. Um, I think one of the things that we tend to do as human beings is try to push through and without having that trained capacity of our nervous system. And that's where illness kind of starts to play out and symptoms really start to play out. And I must intercept a little bit, Arti, with the Ayurvedic, like all of what yes. you spoke about is yeah. a state of vata aggravation and mm -hmm. fight or flight. And I mean, all of us have an in Ayurveda, vata aggravation then pushes the entire body off balance, which is what you're describing as how the nervous system is such a priority in all of health. And um, I'd love for you, before we come to our takeaways, to walk us through a patient's story uh, where perhaps you were involved in the care, but there was also someone else involved in the care and how it appears when one person is focused on the physical aspects, the gene testing, the complex testing, but ignoring the nervous system and down-regulating stress. Uh, and how you 
your mind has always taken you towards prioritizing that because without that, none of the other treatments are going to be effective. Correct. Yeah. So in the, I guess, in the world, in the functional medicine world, it tends to be like, oh, we have this, um, you know, 5-HTP supplement with GABA, which will help calm you down, which I'm not saying it's not going to work. It will work in the moment. It will help you calm you down. For those of you who don't know, 5-HTP is the precursor to making serotonin. Serotonin will help you feel calm. Um, the thing is that, again, what I mentioned was that what is driving that biology is the nervous system being ramped up. So you're not meant to feel calm if you're ramped up. So the really the root cause is actually getting to the nervous system, which you mentioned is a vata imbalance. So that's good if you need someone to just help take the edge off while you work on correcting behavior and whatever other life stuff that you need to incorporate, diet, food, all of that. That is key because that's going to keep you healthy, happy, long-term. The supplements and the medications, those are great tools, but not you should not be relying only on those. Arti, how do you tease out from your patients the state of their nervous system? Uh, you can pretty much tell when they first, you know, they're coming in to um, talk to you and, you know, how they sit, how they um, are, like, interacting with you. Usually, if they're very, very, like, sympathetic state, they're on edge, they're going from one topic to the next, they can't sit still, they're very anxious. And then after you know, then on the kind of the contrast side, if that's been going on for a long period of time, like several years, people can then start to show up as a little bit more shut down and uh, numbed out, a little more depressed, low energy feeling. Um, so just kind of seeing where they're at, that can also kind of help tease out where do I begin with treatment? Where do you begin with treatment? Mm -hmm. Great question. So I always like, you know, for most people, I feel like we're uh, running 24 seven. And so just building in time to where there's no stimulation, because we are too stimulated 24 seven, we need to actually give the brain body a rest. And we've normalized being stimulated 24 seven. And that, you know, with social media, with TV, news, notifications, all of that. So just starting with can we what what can we minimize in terms of your inputs because your brain and body were not meant to handle that many inputs um so like starting that usually i start people off with yoga nidra because that's a really nice way to mindless way almost right people don't have a lot of bandwidth when they're first coming to see me so yoga nidra is great because you, if you can lie down and just listen to someone guide you, that's all you have to do. And that can start to calm their nervous system down. And, you know, I, even if I tell them, if you can't, if they're so anxious, even if you do two minutes, that's great because that's starting to build that capacity. I love the gentle approach you use, Arthi. It's not about perfection. It's just starting wherever. But I do want to clarify before we come to our takeaways that you mentioned how these stressors can be in the form of the notification and the cues and we're constantly being bombarded and 
sadly almost all notifications show up as red um, and I must <laughs> share something that I was working with someone recently who had me put up a goal chart for myself and said if I hadn't done something this week I need to flag it red and I said no I would not do that because I'm in a world where I'm telling people how to let go and calm down and Red to me, I think, sends a signal of emergency. Uh, red mm -hmm. to me signals something. So I said, no, I'm not going to use that color. And I was sadly um, taken aback to notice when she mentioned that almost all the top coaches in the world use the system of red to alert somebody that they have not done something. And I feel that these are all contributing to this dysfunction in the nervous system so maybe we need to just bring our attention to where it might be unique for us maybe we need to do a little bit of a personal audit in terms of where is what in our life is triggering that state of emergency within us mm -hmm. um, and uh, so what is that going to do to the kids because my son recently got Instagram and when you spoke about the notification, what's this sending to the kids of today? Oh, I think it's definitely having an impact on their brain, their brain health, their ability to concentrate. And actually, when it comes to schoolwork, is probably compromised. Um, because remember, the brain is always going to be adapting. And if there's too many stimulants, it will actually tune out, right, to conserve energy. So then now kids are being diagnosed with ADHD and all that because of actually I think too many stimulants or not a safe environment you name it but it's it's more of an adaptation of that the brain is making we I think tend to treat our brain and body as these isolated um, things that just dysfunction on their own but if we start to look at it as adaptations to the environment, then some all these symptoms start to make more sense. Why is it doing that, right? So, you know, there. I'm not saying that there aren't genetic-based diseases. There are 100% that will be penetrant, but a lot, most of our things that we're dealing with are not necessarily genetic. And even if we do have the genetics, that doesn't guarantee something for us. Exactly. We have so much to in our own hands. Let's come to three takeaways that we can do if we are in this heightened state of stress, if we have those symptoms which indicate our nervous system is dysregulated. I just wanted to share three takeaways. And I know you mentioned yoga nidra, so I'd love for you to start with yoga nidra and just describing to somebody who doesn't know what is yoga nidra and where might they access how might they do and I, we have some mini versions on the podcast yeah well. i know you you've uh yeah your voice you um have narrated some sleep-based meditations right so um it is a conscious sleep and so what it's doing is training your brain to kind of slow down. Our brain is very metabolically active. So it's slowing the brain down so that you can get into those deep stages, which is like the slow wave sleep, um, where body and brain can repair. And so we never really get into those <laughs> deep stages anymore. I'm convinced a lot of people are just not getting there because of all of our um, stimulation in this environment. So that's one way to kind of help start to train the brain body to get in 
for a repair mode, right? Um, the other is like starting to bring awareness to the fact that when you are in a stressed out state, what do you feel like, you know, bringing awareness to that? Because a lot of us, the physiology just goes rampant and you're like pissed off and you're just kind of let going with it. But bringing awareness to it, then you can that can kind of start to have you gain control over the physiology in a way. So being like simple as okay yeah i'm getting pissed off but okay my feet are on the ground what scanning your environment right we're thinking there's a tiger but if you just tell your brain the inputs like okay i'm looking at my computer the there's a plant next to me there's my coffee mug just scanning the environment will tell your brain okay there's just no tri tiger so it's a grounding exercise perfect arti and i think you really made a valid point that a lot of times, most of us don't realize at that moment that we are feeling that way. We get so taken over by the emotion. And it's always fascinating to hear patients and clients talk about how I never realized the argument with my spouse was spiraling me into my symptoms. Uh, and when you bring attention to that, they are more mindful about uh, because they see that the, the, it's having a negative impact on them. Where can mm -hmm. they find, like, if do you suggest to your patients any time of the day for yoga nidra or uh, any usually, specific? Usually because everyone's, they, they're so scattered when they first come see me that, you know, I usually say just first start off at nighttime. It's probably the easiest time for you to actually incorporate it in start off there. Most people have sleep issues anyway, even though it's, you know, not technically supposed to be done at night. It's a conscious sleep that's, you know, morning or afternoon. Um, but that's where I start off with most people is at nighttime. What can I do that's the least bandwidth so it doesn't feel uh, overwhelming for the patient is my goal. So do it then. If, the, you know, if it's not possible at night, I was like, pick a time that works for you. Whenever. I just want the habit. That's all I want. And so um, that's kind of how I approach the timing of it for them. And share two more takeaways with us on how might we improve our nervous system. Yeah. So, you know, power down hour before bed, that would be, you know, a great way to kind of um, start to decrease the stimulation so that your brain knows it's time to go to bed. Um, so no electronics, no emails, no news, just what can get you into a nice relaxed state. So for some people, it's gentle yoga, stretching. Um, you know, I'm fine with reading as long as not like something intense, like light reading is fine. Um, just starting to calm that nervous system down. And wherever you can build like even 30 seconds in a day, just starting to weave it into your daily schedule, that can also help start to build your resilience and capacity. One more takeaway. So we did yoga nidra, we did grounding, we did power down hour. Right. Um, okay. Yeah. So maybe you could just wrap this up for us by sharing where, where can someone begin? Because I know that it can be overwhelming even to have three. So how do you just start like wherever it is? And is it more important that we do it, do a little every day or longer? Yeah, I always say start small. Yeah, yeah, I always say start small 
because you want to build the habit. If you go and say, I'm going to do 45 minutes of a meditation and I've never meditated before or you've never done yoga nidra before, that's probably going to stress you out more. <laughs> so I would say just start very, very small, build the habit, and then just you can increase the time once your nervous system adjusts. Beautiful, Arti. And I know that if there are people outside who were like me before who are perfectionists and, you know, if we can't do it perfectly, we're not going to do it at all. But I've changed so much. I'm constantly right. unlearning and relearning. And I think that for me now it's about, you know, somebody pointed out to me recently that she said, you know, your perfectionism is what makes you do well at work, but it's also what defeats you when you're pulled out of your comfort zone and it's what overwhelms you completely. And she hit the nail right wow, on the head, right? And yeah. I think a lot of us are like that where we feel if we can't do it. So I've started to unlearn that okay, if I can't do 30 minutes tonight, let me just do five minutes of whatever. And then anything is better. And I think that's what you brought our attention back to. Thank you for being here again today. Where can people find you if they'd like to know more about your work? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me on Instagram at dr.asurya and on Facebook at arthisuriamd. And uh, the practice I'm at is at groverhealth.com. Thank you, Thank you so being, much for having yeah, me. Arti, it's always a pleasure speaking. I always enjoy our talks. <laughs> I'm sure you enjoyed this conversation. I will end by once more sharing how letting go of my perfectionism, having boundaries and clear switch off times have transformed my response to trauma and stress and helped me with my sleep. From being defeated by a history of trauma and having very poor resilience to stress, I've come to a space where my clear boundaries for myself and my day have now become non-negotiable factors. I'd really encourage you to start by even just switching off all devices earlier in the day. I do believe there is a difference between silent mode and airplane mode and the airplane mode almost tells my subconscious mind that there is nothing demanding anything from me. Fix a time and be consistent and notice how your response to stress improves manifold. Have a great day. This podcast is intended to provide helpful and informative material on the subject matter covered in the episodes. The podcast is not acting in the capacity of a doctor or a registered dietitian and is not rendering any professional healthcare or medical service. The information in the podcast is not intended as a substitute for medical advice or services or as treatment or cure for any particular health condition. The advice and tools contained herein may not be suitable for your situation. Any medical questions regarding contraindications and cautions or any questions of whether or not to proceed with any practice 
practices provided in the show should be referred to qualified health professionals before adopting the same. The podcast specifically disclaims any responsibility for any liability, loss, risk, personal or otherwise which may be incurred as a direct or indirect consequence of the use of information from this podcast or the application adoption of any of the information provided.